You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jack Christides, and this is Billion Dollar Ballers Inside the Business of Sports. Our brand new show discussing the business of sports involving everything from the NCAA all the way up to the major leagues. I'd first like to thank everyone for tuning into our show today on America's Web Radio. If there's anything that I've learned in my time working in professional sports, it's that sports are very much a business. And just like any other business, they've been greatly affected by the COVID-19 crisis. With that being said, we've seen the three-phase plan laid out by President Trump to reopen the economy. We've seen the beginning of this plan go into taking, taking place, and I personally could not be more excited that sports have been included in phase one and is quickly making a return. Now, in some of our, some of our past shows, we've discussed NASCAR, the UFC, uh, several other events that have popped up recently, signaling that sports could really be one of the big success stories to come out of this whole pandemic. Uh, and I personally am extremely excited to continue covering sports in this unprecedented time uh, and see how one of our nation's greatest pastimes is able to persevere. Um, I think that this really demonstrates the massive positive effect that sports can have on our nation's economy and society as a whole. Um, and with that being said, our first topic of discussion today is something that rarely gets the coverage that I believe it should, um, and that is minor league teams across the board. Um, so while they may not have the largest economic impact, they certainly aren't bringing in the big dollars that you would see from uh, their major league affiliates. Many of these minor league teams are foundation of the professional sports leagues that we know and love today. Um, so with that being said, uh, COVID-19 has hit some of these minor league teams harder than, in many cases, uh, their professional major league affiliates. So um, for an example, we're going to look at minor league baseball today, um, some of the truly horrible things that have been happening. So uh, as we know, the last seven months have been brutal for minor league baseball. In November, before the coronavirus pandemic caused many businesses to shut down, Major League Baseball was actually considering eliminating over a quarter of their minor league teams. Now, this was before the pandemic even started. Um, and that idea received a fair amount of blowback, uh, including condemnation from sitting members of Congress, so already not a very popular concept. Um, then COVID-19 happened. The pandemic came around and MLB shut down operations for the time being. Uh, as we know, and we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, there's currently been a lot of discussion between the Major League Baseball Players Union um, and the owners of the league about how that league is going to be able to return. Um, but they're still currently in limbo. Um, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen there. And in the meantime, it's really having a horrible effect on the minor league team. Um, one thing that we are positive of is there will be no minor league season in 2020. Uh, the MLB will get to eliminate 40-plus minor league teams, aided in part by the virus, but also building on the fact that they already wanted to do this. Um, so this seems to be a situation, although financially driven for sure, um, that they're attempting to eliminate the minor leagues um, because they don't see the importance of these leagues. But I think it's important to note that without these minor leagues, we wouldn't see about 95% of the players playing at the level that we see in the MLB right now. The amount of players that play one, two, even up to five years in these minor leagues 
um, before they're actually admitted to the to the major leagues is is you can't underestimate that. So um, it's extremely important to discuss. Now uh, the baseball shutdown has been tough on the minor league players as well. Um, while they won't be able to have their upcoming season, they're also severely underpaid during their regular seasons um, in in normal times even. Um, they're not paid during spring training or the off season, um, and it's been announced that the MLB was willing to pay minor league players four hundred dollars per week through May thirty first, which is something. Um, kudos to them for at least trying to support the league, but that day is fast approaching. Um, the Athletics announced they will not be paying their minor leaguers after May thirty first. Rangers, Padres, White Sox, Braves, Mariners, Marlins, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Mets, and Astros announced they'll pay their players through June at that $400 a week rate. Um, however, once these players stop receiving pay, they're not going to have an upcoming 2020 season, and for many of them, the situation seems to be fairly dire. They're most likely going to have to... Uh, pursue other careers um, going a year without pay when they already have such small pay in the minor leagues is not really an option for a lot of these players. And I think the league should be working to find a better solution because as it stands, um, we certainly stand to lose a lot of quality ball players uh, simply because they can't afford to continue pursuing baseball. And that's a shame. Um, so not going to spend too much time on, again, something that has minimal economic impact but I still think it's important to note and to give uh, some credit to these minor leaguers who work just as hard as many of these major leaguers day in and day out um, for not even a quarter of the payout. Moving forward to a little bit happier of the story, um, I've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. It's something that had me really jazzed up, and that's the match, the Champions for Charity golf event um, that was hosted by Capital One recently. It's a one-off golf event, if you haven't listened to our past shows. This is something that's extremely innovative in the world of uh, golf and the greater world of sports. Um, So a little breakdown of what that was. Over the past weekend, uh, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning played Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, two of the best golfers of all time, uh, partnered with what many people would argue is the two greatest quarterbacks of all time, certainly the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, coming together to play a unique, one-of-a-kind golf match for charity, for coronavirus relief. Um, this was a smashing success of an event, even outdoing the previous uh, the match, which was just Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson. This event was able to raise $20 million for coronavirus relief, uh, which is really outstanding when you consider the fact that it's we've never really seen anything of the like before. Um, aside from the amazing amount that it was able to raise for charity... The public response to this was overwhelmingly positive. Um, the ratings came out, the Nielsen ratings for this four-man match, and overall 5.8 million people tuned in, um, which TNT says makes it the most watched golf event in cable television history. Uh, at its peak, the match reeled in 6.3 million viewers for a 15-minute time period, setting another record for the sport of golf. And um, I think if there's one thing that the match clearly showed, it's how hungry sports fans are for actual competition. Uh, We've already seen that the UFC was setting records for viewership and gambling, and then NASCAR followed, and that set records for viewership and gambling 
And, and now we have a sport that's really, in recent years, prior um, to the reemergence of Tiger Woods, was a, considered a fading sport. Um, along the lines of baseball, the younger generation wasn't tuning in as often to watch these golfers uh, hone their craft and play these tournaments that have long been a staple of U.S. sports, and, and the future of golf was uncertain. However, I think that this, uh, this new unique format where we're getting little one-off matches and, if you will, celebrity matches um, of players outside the sport drawing more interest is something that uh, all sports should look at and point to and say, hey, that's a great way to adapt. The, uh, the sport of golf is adapting, and it's something that's amazing. Um, we've seen it happen with boxing recently. We've had a lot of YouTube personalities stepping into the boxing ring. Um, and it just shows that uh, modern sports fans are different. Um, modern sports fans, they want an event. They want Evil Knievel jumping over helicopters. Uh, they want they want Mike Tyson returning at age 53. And if you haven't seen that story, yes, that's a real thing. Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, he's stepping back into the ring at age 53. Um, so it's all about the spectacle nowadays, and that's something that golf seems to have figured out. Um, they're proposing future iterations of the match, and... I can't wait. I'm hoping that um, several different sports leagues, including the NBA and the MLB and the NFL, um, take a page out of golf's handbook and maybe look at ways that they can adapt their sport to be more exciting. Um, speaking of the other leagues and being adaptable, we do have a few stories coming up of just how certain leagues have been uh, following in the steps of golf and boxing and the UFC and all these other great sports that have adapted and are implementing interesting new things into their sport. Um, so our first topic that we're going to discuss today is going to be NBA announcements and changes as we eagerly await the increasingly almost assured return of that season. Uh, it will include a new and hopefully improved playoff structure, um, something they've talked about for a long time, where they're going to reshuffle all of the teams and seed them 1 through 16. Um, this could potentially lead to doing away with the conference play that we know and have historically loved. Um, but as I said before, who knows? Adapting is usually a positive thing, and hopefully we'll see with increased ratings and potentially more exciting playoff matches that this will pay off in the long run. Um, there's also going to be some discussion that we'll have about the impact that not finishing the regular season could have on the NBA, something that we've seen being thrown around a lot in the executive circles, um, and something uh, that I don't think the everyday fan would necessarily um, have the full picture of if we didn't do a quick breakdown. So we'll break that down. Secondly, our second topic, we're going to discuss recent news and announcements regarding the NFL season. Uh, interestingly, um, America's favorite sport has not had the uh, the visibility that it normally does in the off season. We haven't really heard a lot out of the NFL. Um, but with that being said, I've done some deep digging and talked to some of my sources, and I think I have a couple interesting nuggets that I'm going to be able to deliver today, and hopefully that's entertaining as well. Our third topic, and something that is going to get pretty technical today, so uh, get ready for. Uh, a more financial-based discussion is the upcoming MLB season, what that's going to look like, will it even happen, um, changes that will be made, 
And will the players and the league be able to come to an agreement with a new CBA, collective bargaining agreement, set to be put in place only a year from now? Um, I know we've, in the past weeks, touched on the idea that the MLB season may not return. Um, but I honestly felt like maybe I didn't explain that to the best of my ability. So what I've done is I've gone in, I've broken down the payroll compensation for every single team, um, I've crunched the numbers, and I'm going to explain today exactly why it's a possibility um, that there, we may not see an MLB season um, due to the fact that owners simply don't have the financial motivation to host a season. Now, that's still completely ongoing. As I've said, I'm an optimist. I'd love to see a return of the MLB season. Um, but we have to face the reality that it may not happen. Um, and I will explain exactly why that could be the case. Um, before we go into our second segment discussing NBA changes and announcements, I think we're about ready to take a short break. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about anti-car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best anti-car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call JC Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. Whether cruising the strip in a '57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a '71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, we've got an exciting second segment for you here, discussing NBA announcements and changes as we eagerly await the increasingly likely return of the NBA season. Um, now, in, returns, in regards to the likelihood of a return to action, many players have been in their team's training facilities for some time now with certain players having returned as early as May 8th. Um, and with that being said, the NBA is hopeful of a return to action in July, with the decision most likely coming in the next two weeks, and likely involving a fanless tournament at Disney World in Florida. Um, now, if you're unfamiliar, um, ESPN, owned by Disney, uh, it's one of the networks that is the major broadcasters of the NBA, along with ABC. So it makes sense that this is the venue that they picked. Um, we've talked about in past shows how the UFC has also chosen to bring their events back in Florida. It seems to be a hot hotbed for sport right now, um, and the economy is improving rapidly, um, displaying exactly the positive impact that sports can have in this situation, especially if you have a governor who's willing to open up your state to these kind of large-scale events, um, which the governor of Florida graciously has been able to do so far. The return of the NBA has included, or has been rumored to include, an exciting new change to the playoff structure that would see the top 16 teams across all conferences seated accordingly and playing in one large tournament. As I mentioned in our opening segment, 
this is something that has been discussed for quite a long time now, um, and now seems like the perfect time to implement it, in my opinion. Um, it is interesting to note, however, that the proposed plans have not included bringing back all of the players from every team, um, only those top 16. And it's also currently assumed that there will be no further play of the remaining regular season games. Now, this could cause all, all sorts of problems, most notably with the regional sports networks. So regional sports networks, they have local deals with different teams, and those networks will be losing a lot of inventory, um, especially when you consider how many of them there are. They wouldn't have much of a chance to make it up either. Um, regional sports networks, while they do get some early-round NFL playoff games, don't get to keep showing those games through the playoffs. So we're talking now, um, not only are they not going to be able to play to uh, display all of their local team's regular season games, um, because not only is the regular season canceled, but some may not even get to show those early round playoff games um, because their teams didn't make it. So that's, that's a huge loss in revenue on their side. Uh, now, perhaps most crucially, the regular season games played would not hit the minimum number that's written into those sports network, regional sports networks' contact, contracts with their local teams. Um, so uh, every year, regional sports networks sign a contract with the NBA and with local teams um, stating that there must be 70 games um, in order for them to pay the amount that they're paying um, for that contract. Now, most NBA teams have completed around 65 regular season games, so again, not completely fulfilling that 70 amount in the contract. That could lead to some big, big problems in the future. Um, there have even been some discussions, notably from uh, Matthew Seckers, a sports radio host in Vancouver, um, and he says that not hitting those minimums could lead to contracts rolling over and to networks not paying for the next season. Now, that's something that uh, I believe is certainly possible if you go by the letter of the law of the contract. We have seen a lot of bending of contracts and willingness to negotiate and uh, be flexible due to this national pandemic and crisis. But there, there's always the small chance that these, uh, these regional networks push the issue. Um, and if that's the case, then uh, we could potentially see contracts rolling over and networks not paying um, for next season. Again, that has a cascading of effects. Um, yeah, sure, it's great for the regional sports networks saving them money, but it's also going to result in a lack of revenue for, um, for the NBA and a lack of revenue, as we've discussed prior, um, is going to affect the salary cap, which is going to impose new restraints on teams and team building, and you're not going to see the super teams that you've been seeing, or it's going to take some financial gymnastics and a lot of headaches for the NBA. So here's hoping that those regional networks are uh, willing to be flexible. Um, I have a hunch that they will be willing to be flexible, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. On the flip side of that, there's also a growing conversation, not just from the providers, but from consumers and consumer advocates demanding refunds uh, for the sports funds TV subscribers are paying without receiving one of games. Um, so if you have Xfinity, DirecTV, any, any number of these cable packages and you're paying for channels so that you can watch every single NBA game, 
um, and you haven't been able to watch these live sports, there's there's a small chance. Uh, emphasize small here because I don't know how likely it would be, and I can't imagine the legal uh, the legal jumping through hoops that it require. But there's a small chance that you could be getting a refund for those sports packages. I don't know how to tell you to approach it. I'm not going to tell you it's likely. But it's something that's been discussed, and I, on face value, yeah, I think it kind of makes sense. If you're not able to watch the content you're paying for, you should get your money back. Um, we've seen a fair bit of discussion of that uh, with the ESPN networks. Um, even more protracted with the regional sport network. Um, as we've seen, ESPN, ESPN in particular, they've done a great job trying to pump out content. Um, they recently aired the NFL Draft, and they had The Last Dance, the great Michael Jordan documentary that was sweeping the nation. So there's been sports content there, but ESPN is generally a standard channel, um, and it's not a regional channel. So a lot of the regional channels haven't had content to play. They've been playing recycled old game footage, and, and that's not what we want to see. So um, it'll be interesting to monitor as we move forward again. I don't know how to tell you to approach getting a refund, but I'll give you all the information that I have. And if by some um, small chance there there is a way to get a refund, I'll certainly explain to you how you can approach doing that in the coming weeks. Um, now, all this whole situation is set to intensify as time with sports goes on. Um, especially if regional sport networks don't get these NBA games they were guaranteed by their providers. Um, but with, with sports hopefully and quickly making a resurgence, um, I don't foresee this being an issue for too much longer. Um, I did want to do a quick review on the business side of the importance of the impact that the shutdown is having on the NBA. Uh, everyone wants to see the sport return, fans and players alike, but nobody more than the league. Um, again, the league's revenue is still at zero. They're not making any money right now. Um, it's having a huge impact on the team business and the arena business. Now, the game night income from fans accounts for roughly 40% of the league's annual revenue, uh, drawing focus to the lack of revenue that they'll recoup even when they do return. Um, so when they come back, they're, they're not going to have the gate. They're not going to have concessions. They're not going to have parking outside. They're not going to have all the in-stadium jersey sales, all of that. Um, so we can expect to see an, uh, an effect on the salary cap, free agency, future earnings, um, and the, the very existence of the current collective bargaining agreement. So uh, most likely, we're going to have a renegotiation of this collective bargaining agreement. Um, and what it all really hinges on is the return of the NBA playoffs. Uh, as we've seen with other sports, there's been a massive rating, ratings bump across the board in every event that's aired live. And the NBA playoffs are already something that was massively popular. popular. Um, but there was generally an exponential growth in the popularity and the ratings as you moved forward through the rounds. So, for example, your first-round matchup where... Uh, I don't know, let's just say the Los Angeles Lakers are playing the New Orleans Pelicans. Your average 4-0 sweep in that is not going to be the most exciting playoff series. It's not going to get the highest ratings. Um, but when you move towards the final and you get to see LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo, two of the best players, MVP candidates in the league play, obviously you're going to have higher ratings. Now, I think the NBA has a unique opportunity here. 
with this reshuffling of the playoffs. Um, when you seed it one through sixteen the way that we have, you get some some more interesting matchups. You get cross uh, conference matchups, East versus West, things that you would have never seen before. Um, and even if the games are equally as lopsided as they've historically been in the first round, it's unique. Uh, it's the same premise as the match. You you don't always get to see Tom Brady and Peyton Manning playing golf. You don't always get to see uh, the best team in the West playing the worst team in the East. Even if it's not great competition, it's new, it's fresh, and it's exciting. So there's potential for increased viewership, increased ratings. And if that is the case, um, the NBA could potentially make the case moving forward to all of their TV providers um, that this new playoff format is going to be implemented moving forward. And we can expect to see higher ratings, um, at least in the short term, while the novelty remains. And if that's the case, maybe you can make up some of this money that you're losing, and maybe you can maintain similar salary caps, and maybe the collective bargaining agreement only has to be slightly tweaked and doesn't have to be changed that much. Um, but it's, again, something that is fresh and new that we're going to have to continue monitoring, but I think it has outstanding potential for huge benefits. Again, quickly, a note on the local economies uh, before we head to our next segment. Uh, I want to discuss how home games generate a stream of revenue that trickles throughout your local city, impacting arena workers, public transportation, nearby bars, restaurants, hotel occupancies, and everything in between. While you're not going to get the effects of all the tourism back, most likely fans aren't traveling to your local city to watch teams play games that they can't even be at the arena for. Um, I do want to make a point that if you own a local business, um, if you own a local business that is fortunate to be able to opening up soon, um, plan to capitalize on the return of the NBA. Even though your sport's not happening in your city, even though the NBA is going to be playing their games in Orlando, in Florida, it's still an event that you can capitalize on. Everyone is going to want to watch these sports. You can maintain, maintain local distancing guidelines. You can be safe. If you're able to open your business, plan to, to host events and, and give people some camaraderie and some uh, feeling of safety and happiness in this tough time with the return of the NBA. Um, so with that little note, um, I think we're ready to go to another quick break before we hop into our third segment. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm Jack Christides, and this third segment will focus on recent announcements in the NFL and the proposed changes to the new season. Now, uh, the NFL is a unique case in that it's one of the most popular sports in America. Many would consider it to be the most popular. However, it has been one of the quietest sports leagues uh, amidst the chaos of the coronavirus outbreak. Um, That, most likely, is because the NFL has been pretty lucky. Uh, With COVID-19 hitting North America in the low of the NFL's offseason, the league calendar has remained fairly normal. Online meetings kept free agency on schedule, the virtual draft went out, went off without a hitch, and the 2020 season is still slated to begin on time. Um, while the NFL has chugged along, other American sports leagues have not been so fortunate. The NHL and NBA were halted less than a month before their postseason tournaments. MLS, PGA, and NASCAR were only a handful of weeks into their 2020 season. And the MLB hadn't even concluded its preseason activities before its year was put on pause, as we've discussed, potentially canceled. Um, For now, the NFL stands as the lone major sports league in the U.S. to still have its 2020 game schedule unaffected by the pandemic. Now, there's no telling if this will still be the case come September, but at this point, all expectations are that football will be played as planned. Uh, Football may continue at its usual pace, but there will be a lot going on around it. Um, So while it may be happening um, in the same way, it will not be entirely unaffected. And uh, this next quick topic that we're going to get into is something I'm not sure a lot of people have thought about, something that I hadn't really thought about, um, but it's something that's extremely interesting, and that is why is the NFL so popular? Now, you can say Americans love their football. Americans always have loved their football. It's a rough and violent sport that appeals to our sensibilities as Americans. Um, However, when the NFL typically takes over the sports calendar in September, the NHL and NBA will be at the peak of their off-seasons this year. Um, Now, casual fans generally turning in to uh, hockey and baseball after the football season ends, this year it might be the opposite. So instead of sitting down for a week two NFL matchup uh, between a couple of teams that you don't care about, that have nothing to do with your city or your local NFL team, um, instead of doing that, which is common for a lot of NFL fans, uh, the casual fan might instead be drawn to a game seven with a trophy on the line. Um, Pitting regular season football against a heavy dose of playoff games from other major leagues uh, is going to provide some interesting insight. Um, it's going to tell us the true preferences of the American public. So uh, there, there's a chance that the NFL remains unaffected. It, there's a chance the NFL ratings stay exactly the same, and, and I, it wouldn't shock me if that were the case. But uh, there, there's also a chance that fans will be swayed elsewhere. Um, fans are going to want to watch their NBA and their MLS playoffs, and they won't be watching NFL games. And if this is the case, um, it raises the question, Does the NFL's popularity um, come from the fact that it's simply located in a convenient spot in the sports calendar? The NFL has brilliantly positioned their schedule to avoid conflicts with a lot of other sports leagues. Um, They've even 
uh, shifted to having games on Saturdays after the end of the college football season, um, which is no no accident. There's a reason the NFL plays on Sunday and college football plays on Saturday. The NFL does not want to compete with other sports leagues, and historically the NFL has not had to compete with other sports leagues. Um, so I think this, again, is just another opportunity presented by this COVID-19. I think that it's, uh, it's going to allow us to look at the NFL through a little bit different light, and it's going to be a great case study for, uh, for the NFL moving forward and um, maybe, uh, maybe put some fear into these owners and, and further force them to continue to adapt which, as we've talked about, is something that, uh, that all sports should be doing. And all sports, especially now, should be taking advantage of. Um, further discussion of the negative impacts on the NFL from COVID-19, something that we discussed a few weeks back, but I want to recircle just to remind people of the impact. Um, it's been more than $1 billion in planned spending that was recently canceled by major advertisers. Um, that includes Domino's Pizza, General Mills, General Motors, and PepsiCo. That is according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, the impact to date has been limited uh, since the national spots are contractually bound and they're signed in advance of the new TV season starting in September. Um, but despite the advance notice requirements, networks cut deals with hard-hit industries early on. Um, so there was a $2 billion decline in ad spending from February 17th to 26th. And since May 1st, ad buyers have had the option to cancel up to 50% of their third quarter ad spending. And a lot of them have taken advantage, resulting in amounts of $42 billion of potential losses. Now, that's across all television, of course, not just sports television. But that should put in your mind the massive magnitude um, that advertising has on the TV industry and on the sports industry as well. Uh, couple that with the fact that there's most likely going to be no fans in the stadium. Um, and I- I'm saying most likely uh, the NFL is still holding on to this pipe dream that they're going to be able to pump fans into their stadiums. And I know a couple, a couple of states have even allowed this. A couple of states have said, yeah, we're aiming to get 25,000 fans in the stadium. But that's not going to be everywhere. That's not going to be for every team. And um, there's going to be plenty of places where there aren't fans in the stadium. And um, when you look at the fact that, on average, NFL clubs would lose about $100 million each in local revenue if the season was played without stadiums uh, full of fans, um, we have a a potential, I won't go as far as a crisis because the NFL will be able to survive, but we have a huge problem coming um, for these NFL teams. We've seen ingenuity in baseball as they've planned to put tarp ads across their empty seats. Um, and, and I would urge the NFL to do something similar. Um, perhaps not doing the tarp ads. I mean, that if they wanted to, I suppose they could. But finding, um, finding some ingenuity and finding some ways to make up that loss that you're going to have as a result of fans. Um, that's $3.2 billion uh, lost if fans aren't allowed in the fans for the whole season across all of the teams. Um, we can expect some will have fans, and we can expect perhaps it won't last the whole season, so maybe it's slightly less than that. Um, but we're talking still almost $3 billion lost that they need to find a way to make up. Um, some of the things they've done to counter this, uh, for the time being, the NFL and team execs have agreed to raise each team's debt limit from $350 million to $500 million. 
Um, so if you're not familiar with this debt limit amount, essentially what that means is um, every team is allowed to temporarily go into a debt to the league um, until the season's revenues for the league from the TV contracts and so forth are accounted for, at which point they pay the, they pay the league back. Um, but this, again, represents a huge jump. Uh, after just two years ago, the figure jumped from $250 million to $350 million. Um, the vote, the vote to, uh, to pass the raising of this debt limit was May 19th. It was passed. Um, so that's, that's one way of dealing with the problem. But you, you can't push your debts off forever. Um, the NFL operates in, in many ways the same way that you or I would operate. And that is, if you keep pushing off your debts, uh, you're going to find yourself in a world of trouble um, down, the, down the line. So that's not a long-term solution. There is a new CBA, uh, which they signed this past year, uh, including two extra playoff games per season and an 18-week regular season. Uh, that's set to begin as soon as 21, 2021. Excuse me. And I would assert that this almost assuredly will be starting in 2021 now. Um, the league needs larger TV agreements. The league needs more revenue. They need to make up what they're losing. Um, and this new CBA, it, it actually works out perfectly. So um, they're set to earn windfall agreements from networks. They're set to have a cap spike um, if they're, in fact, able to to agree to get these agreements from the networks. Um, and more playoff games and, and a longer regular season should be able to help. Um, so, so that is one positive for the league. Uh, they also have uh, different uh, different methods of displaying their games now. Um, so there's been discussion of games on Saturdays. Uh, as I've talked before about, the NFL does usually transition to a handful of games on Saturdays later in the season. Um, but depending on what happens with college football, again, um, most likely they're going to return on time. Um, they would, the NFL would like to make specific games available earlier on in the season on Saturdays, exclusively on Amazon Prime or ESPN+. So these streaming platforms would pay a premium for the content, um, and hopefully it would entice some zealous NFL fans to pay a premium and watch some earlier Saturday games. Um, but this does get back to the point of competition for the NFL. Um, so is this something that they're willing to risk if college football, as it seems likely to, does in fact return um, on schedule? Historically, the answer to that question is no. But we'll see. Maybe the NFL is feeling more confident this year. Maybe the NFL um, is willing to take that risk. Um, it'll be interesting to monitor moving forward, and I have a hunch that they're going to try it out. Um, as, as we've seen, as I've talked about ad nauseum today, people are trying new things more than ever now, and adaptation has been shown to work. Um, it's not going to work in every case, so there's certainly risk, but who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll attempt to figure it out. More news on the XFL. XFL 2.0, still holding out hope to find a new owner. Uh, as we've discussed prior, they did file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in April um, in response to the coronavirus. They did have $46 million in revenue during their season. They had nearly 20,000 average fan attendance, uh, and they had 1.9 million average broadcast viewers. Um, so there's a lot of value there. Um, it, 
makes sense that nobody is buying the league right now. Um, not a whole lot of people or even corporations that are very cash fluid right now. But who knows, moving forward, it may not be the worst investment as we've been talking about all this adaptability, all of these new ideas. The XFL is something fresh and new, um, and that's probably what you can credit for all of its early on success, at least, at least in terms of revenue um, and viewership. The novelty of the XFL, um, as it certainly wasn't the skill level, was able to draw fans. Um, and maybe with some, some new ownership, some new creativity, they can carve out a little, a little niche and uh, find a way that they can be successful um, with a product that's uh, very similar to, but slightly different from uh, the NFL. Now, um, our next segment is going to be about the upcoming MLB season. Uh, I've talked about before on this show, I'm not the biggest baseball fan. Um, I think a lot of the things that the sport has been doing are rooted, uh, rooted in the past, which is not always a bad thing, but if you're not willing to move forward and modernize, it can be very different, uh, very difficult to keep up with a modern-day audience, and that has seemed to be baseball's problem. But I will say I think our next segment is probably my favorite segment that I'll have done, I'm just going to say it, in the history of this show. I think it'll be my favorite segment ever. Um, so if you can, please stick around. We're going to have a great segment coming up. Um, and right before we get to it, we're going to go to one last short break. Season's greetings. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiline Mortgage Services, Inc. Let's talk about reverse mortgages for seniors 62 and older. Reverse mortgages were designed to free up money that seniors can use at their discretion in retirement. Let us help you determine if this program is right for you. We'll help you choose the right lender and walk you through the loan process. Multiline Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilinemortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby... Uh, that I've been part of for years. Not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic. 
classic, antique, or even your street ride. Call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion? On America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers and welcome back to my favorite segment. Uh, we're going to be discussing the upcoming MLB season, how that's going to look the changes that will be made, will it be happening? Uh, And will the players and the league be able to come to an agreement with the new collective bargaining agreement set to be put in place only a year from now? So uh, I'm going to dive right into it because we've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. Uh, We're currently still uncertain of exactly what the MLB season will look like uh, and the precautions that will be taken regarding the coronavirus. Um, There was an 80-page document um, released by the owners documenting uh, and outlining potential health and safety protocols for the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, The league's document addressed testing, guidelines for travel and lodging, and how the league would react if and when player or staff members test positive for the coronavirus. Now, the owners submitted that proposal, a proposal that would see teams play approximately 80 games in the season. Uh, the season would then culminate in an expanded playoff. Other plans discussed over the past few months have included housing teams in hub cities so as to limit interstate travel. Um, Washington Nationals reliever Sean Doolittle, uh, widely regarded as one of the most thoughtful players in the league, he tweeted about his concerns uh, in response to the league's approved plan. Um, and he's not alone. Uh, With the MLB season having been set to start on March 26th, um, this delay in the time to think and the resulting proposals by both uh, the owners and the league itself have led to a lot of animosity between the players and the owners. Um, And one thing that has been driving this ill will and is going to continue to be a major sticking point is the player compensation. Um, As we talked about last week, it's a unique scenario because the contracts are fully guaranteed in the MLB. Um, It's also unique because there's no salary cap in the MLB. Um, Now, the owners have been seeking less than originally suggested prorated pay for players, um, and they're adamant, actually, that they're not going to pay prorated money, saying the losses would be too steep. Uh, One proposal, which was almost immediately thrown out, was a 50-50 revenue split. Um, But the players have been holding firm, on, at the very least, uh, a prorated amount. Now, um, the owners would love to move forward with revenue-sharing deals, um, but that is just not seeming like a possibility at this point. Um, one thing that a lot of people have missed that I think is important to note um, is that there is a clause in this past CBA um, covering a declaration of a national emergency. Now, as we know, President Trump did declare a national emergency. Um, This obviously, the coronavirus has been a national emergency. Um, And with that being the case, the players have actually waived their right 
um, to receive any compensation in, in the case of a canceled season, a canceled 2020 season. So this is where things get really interesting. And in just a few short minutes, I'll break down exactly why this is such a big deal. But just keep that in the back of your mind. If the season is canceled, the players don't have a right to any of their money. Um, leading into our discussion of why that's such a huge deal, I'm going to mention that the newest updates have the owners proposing a new pay structure, proposing a marginal salary structure in which the lowest paid players would receive close to a full share of their prorated salary, and the game stars receive far less than expected. Um, essentially attempting to divide um, that players' association and make the stars seem like the bad guys. Uh, the league's proposal, which included bonuses if postseason games are played, offers lower salaried players a higher percentage of their expected wages and, uh, and will give the stars a fractional cut of their salaries. The formula that the league offered, for example, would take a player scheduled to make the league minimum, which is uh, a little over $500,000, um, and would give him a prorated amount of $285,000. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that would be what you would get if that was prorated. Uh, they want to take an additional 10% cut from that, leaving them with a $250,000 salary. And that seems pretty, pretty harsh, but it gets even worse when you look uh, at the people earning larger amounts. Um, so... When you go up to a million-dollar salary, uh, those people are then getting 72% of their earnings. Five million, they're going to get 50% of their earnings. Ten million, 40%. $20 million player, 30%. And then, as we know, there are certain players that are making close to $100 million a year. Anybody making over $20 million a year is only going to be paid 20% of their salary. Now, I get it. Uh, that's, that's a ton of money, and you may be thinking to yourself, uh, why are these players getting upset? 20% of, uh, of $20 million is still a whole lot of money. But you have to think about it this way. How would you feel if someone told you, I'm going to ask you to play uh, about, to work about half as much as you normally would, but I'm only going to pay you 20% of what you're, what you're due? you wouldn't like that very much. So, so that's where the, the real issues have been coming. Um, and, and the players are most likely to counter that objection. Um, and their counteroffer is going to completely, completely determine if we see a return of the MLB this year. Now, getting back to what I said um, about, the, uh, about the potential return of the league not happening, um, and uh, here we are. This is, uh, this is the thing I've been wanting to talk about all day, almost all week. Um, one of the biggest things to take note in the midst of all of this is the statement made by the baseball MLB commissioner saying that team owners stand to lose $4 billion if the season has to be canceled. Okay. $4 billion if the season is canceled. Now, if you go through um, and you look at the payroll for every MLB team, you're going to find that sitting at the top of that payroll, you have the Yankees and the Astros and a, and a few of the other more well-known teams. And on uh, those teams, they're, they're having a payroll of upwards of $200 million uh, to pay their players uh, for this year. Um, 
Now, the MLB cumulative payroll, so that's how much the MLB pays all of their players across every club. That was in excess of $4 billion in 2018. It historically, on average, jumps about 10% every year. So it stands to reason that that number, while most likely not not too close to $5 billion, is substantially over $4 billion at this point for the 2020 season. So when you think about it that way, if, if the MLB stands to lose $4 billion if they don't host the season, however, they don't have to pay their players anything if they cancel the season, they're then saving well over $4 billion by not paying anything to the players and canceling this season. Just let that sit in for a second. So if the players demand their full pay, it makes no sense to have a season. You're selling out over $4 billion, more than the $4 billion that you'd be losing if you didn't have the season. So that's, that's where the, the math of this becomes extremely important, and I think this is something that the MLB players might be missing. Owners are always going to be greedy. Owners are always going to try to make their money. And it's completely understandable that the, the players in the MLB want more than they're being offered right now. But they simply have to recognize that they can't ask for more than a cumulative $4 billion in payroll. Um, most likely, from the math that I've done, it's between 85 and 89% is where you hit the $4 billion mark. So they can get paid between 85 and 89% of the total amount they were supposed to be paid to make it financially viable for the owners to actually have a season. Now, as of now, the owners are asking to pay way less than that. They want to make a profit. They That's their that's their, that's their driving force behind them wanting to have a season. They want to make money. But if the MLB players continue to hold as firm as they've been holding, um, if the MLB players are refusing to take any pay cut, as I've heard certain players say, the owners will cancel the season. It'll save them money. It's a no-brainer on their side. Um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure why more people aren't talking about this right now. It's a simple calculus, and it's going to determine whether or not we get to have a baseball season this year. Now, sure, you can throw out the exposure of baseball hasn't been very large lately. What's going to happen to the league as we know it if they go a season without baseball? Are people going to realize that they really don't need baseball? They can watch a bunch of other sports, and other sports will be extending into the summer. So will the TV ratings even justify big contracts, uh, big TV contracts in the future? Small potatoes. The owners are not going to have a season if the owners can't make money. And at this point, I, I, there's a chance that this season, I'd say a decent chance that the season gets canceled because the players refuse to negotiate. Um, or I, I guess technically they're negotiating, you could say, but it's not in the in the best of faith. Um, so here's the hoping that the players either hear this or get told this by someone else because that's something that they need to know and uh, negotiate with those facts in mind. Um, now to close the show before we come to an end, I always like to do a 
little preview of what we'll be discussing next week. We're going to have our first guest on the show next week, Mark Sable, uh, former collegiate D1 tennis player, is coming on. Um, he's going to give us some unique perspective on uh, the cancellation of seasons due to the coronavirus. Um, Mark is also very familiar with the financials of the NCAA and college athletics. We're going to discuss how he feels about some of these D1 programs being cut. Um, tennis is one of the sports that we've seen being cut in response to the lack of revenue that's going to be brought in in the future. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to cover the PLL, the Premier Lacrosse League's tournament, another great example of adaptation. And um, if we're lucky, we may even get a second guest. Um, we may actually get a the current D1 college lacrosse player on the show um, to talk a little bit about the new opportunities that this, this is going to present um, in a sport where just a few years ago you couldn't go pro. Um, so that's certainly extremely exciting as well. As always, we're extremely grateful for all of you who tuned in to listen to America's Web Radio and Billion Dollar Ballers today. I hope you enjoyed today's show and continue tuning in in the future. Um, with that, I'm Jack Christides, uh signing off. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.